This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. That is West Durham. Chester is exhausted after watching Haley Van Lith light up the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Fuller is sound asleep on uh, yeah. on the floor. Right over here. Is he on the well, leg no, yet? Actually licking his paw. Finn up. Finn up. Tom yeah. Luganville style. Yep. Captain Ron, Robert, we got Otto in the Christmas decoration room. Uh, absolutely keeping an eyeball on all the things cold in Mrs. P's refrigerator. Life is good. It's happening. Uh, things are all right. Got one to the uh, women's final four. Man. And within a whisker of two. Boy, the NC State play great. What a ball game that was. What a great it, game. I, look, I have not seen every game of the women's final four, but I would tell you that one would probably be up there as the best game of the women's final four. Gosh. One of the best games, maybe period. Men too. I mean, it was that exciting. Yeah, God, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a women's final four game, but it was a felt like it felt like it felt it felt like a national championship game. To be honest with you, um, great plays, great competitiveness. Had all the storylines obviously going in. Hey, is that a UConn Husky on the floor indicating they're a host? Yes. Um, so I, uh, I, I, you know. What do you say to what do you say to NC State this morning? I mean, you had a remarkable year. You won thirty odd games. You have a terrific coach, terrific program, terrific young people playing for you, and you came up short. and And you don't know what to say. That's the thing. I, I immediately last night when the game ended, I thought, well, what do you say? Well, first of all, it was a great. Basketball it was. Game. Yeah. Right. Let's just first things first. Great or, talent, both ends. No doubt. I mean, mm -hmm. both programs. I mean, UConn's the standard, right? Yep. The standard. Yep. NC State went Westmore have built phenomenal. Uh, he's got a special collection of seniors with this group. This, this was a special team. Right. Uh, the first things you say is it was a great basketball game. That's correct. Forget men, forget women. To say. It was a great basketball game. Mm -hmm. For women's basketball, I thought it elevated the sport. Because, number one, you're in prime time. Eyeballs are watching. Mm -hmm. It's an important game. It's two really great teams. It's a packed house. And, the, and, and I mean, the student-athletes were just great last night. I mean, mm -hmm. that was just high drama. Say it all the time. Just entertain me. Last night was an incredibly entertaining basketball game. That's the first thing. Okay. The second thing, and it was discussed when the brackets came out. And everybody started to play the woulda, coulda, shoulda. There was no need to do that yet because both teams had to get there. Well, guess what? Guess what great teams do? They get there. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, you roll it out. NC State last night, the end of regulations, got the ball with a chance to win the game. You had – it's your game to win. Right. They did not get off a great shot. Game goes to OT, goes to two OTs. Connecticut makes a few more plays. Paige Becker's phenomenal. She was fantastic. Right. So, at the end of the day, I think if you're an NC State fan, are you bitterly disappointed? Yeah. But you know what? In some respects, taking a step back, you always want to have a relevant program. Mm -hmm. And there is no doubt that that crew you're watching right there on the screen, that guy right there, has made you beyond relevant. You're a factor in women's basketball, big yep. picture. Yeah, I know you haven't been since 98. I get that. But you got to take a step away. It's, you're, it's still an open wound for NC State fans. You got to take a step back and understand where you are in the big picture, and it's a good view. It's a great view. Um, but 
Nita King is going to be on later today. Yeah, 9 we'll o'clock. Talk, we'll talk a lot of cool things about what's going on with Duke, but we will address the committee because I'm going to be honest with you. The women's game today in hoops has elevated itself where a one seed should never, and I use that in all caps, never be at a disadvantage to play a two seed. I mean, these teams are too good. The game, the game, the game is too good to put any kind of, of balance. And I didn't make a big deal out of this because they both had to get there first. There's, there's no need to, to scream about it two weeks ago because what happens if, again, Notre Dame holds on and wins? And all of a sudden, all that arguing and screaming and wasted right. energy meant nothing. But last night, great crowd. You expected that. But still, NC State's got the ball. You got 15 seconds. Make a play. Right. And you eliminate all this what it could have, should have. But even for future use, for the committee, whatever it turns out to be, mm-hmm. there should never. The game is too good now. Too good. In yesteryear, where you just need people, hey, you know, let's just get people to a Final Four, yada, yada, yada. You don't have to worry about that now. You can't get a ticket. Mm-hmm. Television numbers are up. The quality <clears throat> of the game's never been better. Right. A one seed should never ever be at a disadvantage with home court against the two seed or anybody else right. ever I, find a neutral site roll the ball out best team win let's go and i also think too it brings back into play quite frankly this is the kind of discussion point that the women's basketball tournament is going to get on the back end of looking at equal footing with the men's tournament right because these are the type discussions we've had 20 years, 25 years in terms of the men's tournament, built-in home court advantages. How many times did we as kids hear about, you know, oh, that regional's in Greensboro and NC State's hosting, Duke's hosting, Carolina's hosting, or not, or they're they're the home team. They're the top seed and they're playing in Greensboro or Raleigh or whatever the case may be. And in essence, the women's tournament now is asking for those discussions by asking for Equal standing, equal staging of their event, whatever you want to call it. And I think at the end of the day, it's healthy for the women's game to go through these discussion points. Because guess what? The next step is the one we all know is coming, and that is playing neutral sites in first and second rounds. Right? As it should be. As it should be. Moving off the campuses, which has been a staple of the women's game. We just spent a lot of time talking about it because of the three schools that were five seeds as opposed to four seeds in the ACC. And that's the next step in the women's game. And Muffet McGraw was here yesterday talking about units and money and all those things. Well, guess what? That's the next step. That's in the next wave as well. So the discussion point you have with Nina King today or the one you want to have about why NC State is a top seed was playing in Bridgeport where UConn was hosting? Come on. It's dollars and cents on that deal. We all understand it. I mean, it's sitting there. But it shouldn't have happened that way. Yeah, you know, here's the thing that I, I – it's, unfortunately, it's too late. The genie's out of the bottle here. But right. the thing that stinks about this, there's a lot of things if you're an NC State fan that you don't like. But the game was so good yep. last night that it's unfortunately going to get overshadowed by where it was played. And that is unfortunate for the women's game. That is the problem. Right. We should be today celebrating what was a phenomenal sporting event. Absolutely. And it was. It was a great basketball game. And from our perspective, from an ACC network standpoint, from an ACC fan standpoint, yeah, you want to win those games. I mean, there's no doubt. Everybody's got the pom-poms out from that perspective. But I think you got to take a step back and say the game was awesome last yep, night. It was. And 
the fact that we're still having conversations, at least in this part of the world, about, well, if that game was played in Greensboro, if that game was played in Durham, if that game was played in Charlotte, it would have been a different outcome. I don't know. But it shouldn't have to be a conversation point. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the message here. Yeah. And the committee, quite frankly, um, you know, I, I will tell you this. If, if that game was played in Wichita, in Louisville and Michigan played in Bridgeport, yeah. would we have had different teams in the Final Four? We'll never know. But the bottom line is we should not have any conversations whether the brackets are just laid out that you sit there and go, oh, well, you might as well go ahead and earmark Team X because they got nothing but home games. The games become now too good for the committee and for the sport to be in that position. Yeah, good points. I agree with you. Uh, uh, NC State uh, puts together a phenomenal year. School record, 32 wins in the course of the campaign. Um Details ball game in a game like this when you get to the end of regulation and certainly in the overtimes, big shots both ways. But last night, Jakia Brown-Turner, Elisa Kunain, and Westmore were asked last night after the game about the last play in regulation. We knew it would be hard coming in. Getting this far in general is hard. Um, I know everyone was saying that it was um, UConn's backyard or whatever, but we just came out and played for each other. And we just we put, we gave it all we gave it all we had. Lisa, uh, yeah, like we are number one seed for a reason. We proved that um, over the whole course of this season. So I think coming <coughs> in here, we knew we were capable of. We were supposed to be a number one seed, uh, and so we came in with that attitude. Yeah, you know, uh, we as you said, we kind of fell behind again and had to dig it dig ourselves out in a tough situation. Uh, you know, I'm really disappointed. I didn't call another timeout there at the end of regulation. Um, you know, we it's touchy there. It was a tie game, so you don't want to leave time on the clock for them to have a chance to win it in regulation. But uh, we should have got a better look than we did. So uh, that's what I'm going to have to live with for a while. I wish I had that possession over. But like I said, I couldn't be prouder, as you mentioned, just a battle back and forth than – uh, not letting, you know, the crowd or the name on the front of those jerseys uh, bother them, phase them. They just came to play, and and uh, they're unbelievable. I mean, it's just can't say enough about them. Then, I mean, just the the journey. I mean, again, they're great kids. As good a basketball players as they are, they're better people, and it's it's like I said, just an honor to to be with them, work with them. Uh, if you did not see the game, mm. and you're just kind of waking up with us or kind of getting caught up. Oh, man, Bummer State lost the game. 26 lead changes, yeah. 18 ties, and it had as much drama of mm-hmm. any basketball game you're ever going to watch. Yep. It was that well played. It was outstanding. Sure was. Um, let's pivot to Wichita last night because the ACC does get a team into the women's Final Four, and it's the Louisville Cardinals who used a 17-7 run in the fourth to distance themselves from Michigan, 62-50. It's a two-point game, by the way, going to the fourth. That's right. And the cards turned it on. And, my goodness, Haley Van Lith, a fourth 20-point game. Look Unstoppable. Out. You know who loved it? He's Chester. sound asleep yeah, right now because he stayed up late watching every yeah. <laughs> play last night. Haley Van Lith she was – She has been awesome in yep. the tournament. Yep. She was driving it last night. And the cards 
are going to Minneapolis to meet Stanford on Friday night in the women's Final Four at the Target Center. Jeff Walls. Or South Carolina, sorry. That's it. Jeff Walls' fourth visit. And uh, maybe this is the time, right, for the cards. Yeah. Could be. And the Inks are playing great, too. Yeah, they are. Uh, And all the things that you would expect the Louisville team to do in an environment like this happened last night. Van Lith, by the way, uh, becomes the fifth player in the last 10 NCAA women's tournaments to have 20 or more in each of the first four games. Uh, of note, Alexis Peterson of Syracuse did it in 2016. Kelsey Plum also did it that year, the great player at Washington. Arike Agumbawale did it for Notre Dame in 2019. And, of course, Haley Van Lith on that list as well now after last night. You know, I want to get back to the NC State a second, not to dismiss what Louisville just accomplished, because I know Louisville fans are like, all right, enough with NC State. How about us? Hey, we got plenty of time to talk Louisville, not only today, but all week, because they're still playing. Right. But I thought Gino Oriema after the game last night said it best. Those two teams that played last night in Bridgeport were Final Four teams, and they were. They yeah. basically had five one seeds is what you had in the ladies' game. And no disrespect to the Baylor fans down in the state of Texas going, hey, how about us? Yeah. But UConn, completely healthy. NC State proved that they're a one seed. As uh, Alyssa Conane pointed out, like I said, it was just one of those kind of games. But for Louisville – Big fourth quarter, as you pointed out, 17-7. They outscored Michigan, and that puts them into the Final Four. And for Jeff Walls, this could be the year. They yeah. cut down the nets. You got uh, four, you got three one seeds and a two seed heading to Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, after the ball game, Kiana Smith and Emily Inksler talking to the media about Jeff Walls, what he means to the program, and what he means to them personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it'd be nice. Um, Coach Walls is is this program. I mean, I'd say a personal story. When I was on my official visit, he told me in a one-on-one meeting, said, if you commit, I'll take us back to the Final Four. And not, I mean, obviously not alone, like additions been every year, but we're here. Um, And it's awesome to just like look back on that moment. And Coach Walls is just an amazing coach. He pushes us and pushes me in ways that like sometimes I get frustrated with, but um, it got us here, and I'm just so thankful for him um, and his leadership, and I know he can lead us to a national championship. Emily? Yeah. Um, he's meant the world to me personally. Um, you know, I think it's been a, a difficult three years for me, and um, uh, he was just somebody who took me under his arms, didn't really care who I was or where I was coming from at a mental level, and um, I really appreciate him. He's a good person. Um, I love him too, man. He's a good person, and he's a good person on the court. He's just really fun to play for. He lets you be yourself, and he protects you, and um, you can trust him, and that's hard in this industry. So um, I'm grateful for him, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get him a national championship. Wow. Powerful, huh? That relationship of coach to player is wow. a real thing. Yeah, it is. Holy smokes. Strong. That's something. Um, all right, we're off and running. This is a huge show. I mean, this is about as big as we've been able to throw at you, right? Well, hey, let's listen. Just five one step at a time. Now, you, know. you know, one week from today, God willing, if we're still employed and on the air, six hundred will be yeah. 600. 600 shows. We have big stuff planned for 600. Um, by the way, every, player, every four-year player under Jeff Walls has been to a Final Four. How about that? Pretty strong. I'd say so. All right. Seth Greenberg, 8 o'clock. Kelly Gramlich, 8.30. Nina King, 9 o'clock. 
Roy Williams. Roy Williams. <laughs> yeah, Roy Williams, 930. He must, not, he must have got bumped on the tee time to join us at 930. 930. Got, that's my number one question. Yeah. Because when happened. I saw him in February, he was like closing in on getting ready to go. Because I'm sensitive. And it's a like, Tuesday. I'm sensitive with something like this. Oh, who's this calling me? Most places hey. are closed on a Monday. Yeah. He oh, was, yeah. Packer and Durham. Oh, hold on a second. I'm busy, right? Uh, can I get back to you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our so, golf game got canceled. Yeah, I can do, yeah, I can do I, 930. All right. So that's 930. And then a Maka Agugua Hamilton, the new women's basketball coach at Virginia. Can I just go coach? No, 9.45 is Coach Mox. Coach Mox. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're going with, Coach Mox. Yeah. Got to find out the walk-up music for Coach. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, Syracuse got a new coach, too. We're going to talk to her tomorrow. Felicia Leggett-Jack, yeah. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, All that and Duke, Carolina, have you heard? It's Saturday night in New Orleans as the Final Four. History, we got all that. We got former players coming up this week. We got, I mean, everybody connected to maybe the most important meeting all time between the two. We'll talk about it. We continue a little history lesson on the Blue Devils and Tar Heels on Packer and Durham's Tuesday. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. It's a big-time game for both teams. I think it is the biggest stage for college basketball. I don't think you can ever say it's easy when you're playing Duke. Are you serious? You know, the fans, obviously, they hate each other. As a coach, you like to say it's the same, but it's not. Best programs in the history of sport. Yeah, they've had a few, Mr. Durham. Just a couple. Just a couple. But there will not be a more hyped game ever than the one they're getting ready to play Saturday. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of different roads we can go down the next, uh, what, four days. Um, We're going to choose some historical roads. we got some really good interviews, people we're trying to get on the program, things of that nature, right? So let's kind of set the foundation if we can. Let's let's kind of qualify what Saturday night is. Um, 258th meeting, all time. But it is the very first time that Duke and Carolina have met in the NCAA tournament. And the funniest part about this whole deal, funny, not ha-ha, funny, just kind of ironic, is that a month ago, my man over here said, huh, you know Duke and Carolina never played in the NCAA tournament. I mean, just clicked on it one time about a month ago. And look what happened. Um, you saying I'm dangerous? Yeah. I, on stuff like this, you become eerie. You become – it's kind of like – I, I kind of listen, I'm thinking, and you always say, well, I'm not sure you're listening. No, I'm listening. And when you say something, then like a month later it happens, you got that Nostradamus stuff going on about you. I, I will say this. Huh. For about the last two months, I, it has been dangerous. Yes. Been very dangerous. It's almost as if I know what I'm talking about. Well, there you have and it. I emphasize almost. Yeah. Uh, this is the 100th meeting since Coach K was hired in 1980. Duke leads the series 50 49. And look at the points. Come on. 
I mean, how about that? Well, we, you know, it, this is kind of, it's goofy to talk about this in some respects because when you grow up in North Carolina, and I've lived all over the place, but I grew up in North Carolina. Sure. I've lived here forever, it seems right. like. You're so used to the excellence of these two programs. Mm-hmm. And this is even before we're talking about Coach K. I mean, this thing, if you watch the tournament documentary, which was so fantastic, which would have given you a real good handle about this conference. These two have been so good for so long that I think, in fact, I know, we take it for granted mm-hmm. that they're always this good. Right. right. And it doesn't mean that they're always in the Final Four. Hey, these two haven't been in the same Final Four since 91. Correct. Right? So it puts things in perspective. There's a lot of really good basketball programs out there. But for us, and I say us as in the ACC, you're so used to Carolina Blue, Duke Blue being standards. Right. Doesn't mean they win it every year. They don't. But, man, they're going to stick their nose in your business, uh-huh. right? And when you start talking about the Duke's been to a Final Four for seven straight decades, Carolina's been to a Final Four nine straight decades, let that marinate a second. Mm-hmm. It's not a spike. It's not a, man, they've had a really nice run. Yeah, they've had a nice run for a century. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, keep it in perspective. But I think we just take it for granted that oh, they're always good. Hey, man, you got to tip your hat. I, and if you can't stand both of them, and I get it, it's what happens when somebody beats you all the time. I get it. But you got to take a step back and go, you know what? Been pretty impressive to yeah. watch. The 30, impressive. the 38 combined Final Fours, by the way, is the most of any matchup in Final Four history. How about, how about simplistic is that? Right. I mean, just and, and this is why, like you were catching grief with the whole Kentucky Louisville. There are great rivalries in college basketball, correct? Right, but these numbers that we're getting ready to roll out to you are the separators, correct? I mean, I caught grief because I acknowledge that Kentucky and Louisville played ten years ago, and everybody thought I was indicting Carolina and Duke, which was not the case. I mean, for example, Kentucky and Louisville is a great. Rivalry. Yeah. Number one, two great programs. And it was cool and when it, they played in the Final Four. And it's a state that loves college basketball, much like the state of North Carolina. There's always right. a lot of similarities to me between the Commonwealth of Kentucky and, and Tobacco Road and all that stuff. But, you know, Louisville and Kentucky have played 54 times. Correct. That's it. That's it. Yeah. 54. So we're giving you a stat here. These two have combined for 38 Final Fours. Right. I mean, it's just a different universe of consistently terrific is what it is. Um, it's 36th time in the same tournament was the most of any matchup never to happen in the tournament, and obviously until Saturday night. 29 is an interesting number that's not going to get enough play this week. It's the sum seed for the path of both North Carolina and Duke to the Final Four. That one, you know, I think you want to, you mentioned 29 being the number. Yeah. To me, 29 is the number because that now becomes the longest stretch of, a, of two teams playing in the NCAA tournament that haven't seen each other. Right. And it goes back to the Commonwealth, which is Kentucky and Purdue, right. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. And there's another one, too, off the top of my head. I can't remember what it was. But I remember Kentucky-Purdue now have the record of 29. And there's one other one. I can't remember what it is. Yeah. But nevertheless, again, these numbers are going to blow you up. Yeah, there's the there's the sum, seed sum for both Carolina and Duke opponents so far. All right, the um, the curious part is this is the second time they've both been in the same Final Four. 
Uh, the other time was 1991 in Indianapolis. Ironically, Duke has been to at least two other Final Fours, 1990 with Georgia Tech, 2004 with Georgia Tech back, where there were other ACC teams in the Final Four. Um, it's a weird, that's a weird twist of this whole deal. Carolina was with Virginia in the 1981 Final Four in Philadelphia. But this for Carolina and Duke's the second time that it's happened. Well, Carolina was in the Final Four with Syracuse in 2016. That's right, 16. It's the last time that uh, any conference had two teams in the men's Final Four. And ironically, mm-hmm. it was the ACC, which is the standard in college basketball. Yeah. Um, this is the first meeting in the Final Four between teams from the same conference and the same state. That differentiates the Kentucky-Louisville scenario as well because it's not the same conference. Yeah, but heat is heat. And when Kentucky and Louisville play, it's hot. (laughs) And when these two get together, it's smoking hot. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, all right. Now, reaching the final four in your final season, Mike Krzyzewski uh, joins an interesting list here. Okay? Okay. and the last guy to do it, ironically, was Bill Guthridge. But prior to that, Dean Smith, Al McGuire, John Wooden, who both won in their final ball games. Coach K trying to join that group. John Oldham, George Smith, the great Pete Newell. John Castellani coached Bill Russell, or not Bill Russell, um, Elgin Baylor at Seattle. And Elmer Gross of Penn State, 1954. How great a name is that? Elmer Gross. Is that a great name? Yeah. Be a great name for a dog, Elmer. <laughs> not the last time Penn State was good in basketball. That's not true. Pat Chambers had him. Pat Chambers did have him rolling, didn't he? That's he just right. got a new gig. Yeah. Yeah. With the Florida Gulf Coast. I Something like that. Yeah. Pat Chambers back in the game. Yeah. So there you go. Well, they had a. Um, uh, Jerry Dunn took him to a Sweet 16 one time. I mean, you're ragging Penn State. <clears throat> you know, just equal oh. opportunity. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got to give the, you got to give the, listen, the big tens had a tough run. I mean, you got to give the big tens some love when you can. Okay. I mean, they haven't won since Izzo cut it down in 2000. <laughs> Good night. All right. Reaching the final four in your first year. This is funny about Mike Krzyzewski on the way out. Hubert Davis on the way in. Hubert Davis joins a list. First season is Division One, And look who the next guy is. Bill Guthridge. I'm telling you, man. Connected the hip, these two. Gentleman Bill Guthridge. How about that? Steve Fisher, the only guy to win it. 89 with Michigan. Larry Brown. Bill Hodges, Indiana State. Who later coached at Mercer. Denny Crum, 1972. Gary Thompson, Wichita State. The great Ray Meyer. How about Bully Gilstrap at Texas, 1943. Another great name. Period. Get him and Elmer together. I mean, some kind of showdown. And then Bruce Drake at Oklahoma, 1939. Bully Gilstrap. <clears throat> Elmer Gross. There's the list. Showdown. There's the list. <laughs> How about the list? And, and by the way, Bill Guthridge. Both lists. Three years. Two Final Fours in three years. I, I love me some Bill Guthridge, man. What a good dude. That's a, I, it's why, I've said this before on the show, 1991 was my favorite Final Four ever. That that tournament had everything, yep. ever. Yep. And here we are again, fast forward to clock, and it's the combination of Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, Duke, and Carolina. Yeah. And you throw in Villanova now, which is kind of reminiscent in some respects of what Vegas was 
back then. Because mm-hmm. Jay Wright's team, hey, they won it in 16. They won it in 18. Yeah. He's 20 and 3 in the NCAA tournament since 2016. Crazy. And like I said, if you want to see some tradition in history, yeah, we got it with Duke and Carolina. You go out there to Lawrence, Kansas, you go walk through the fog. When it, and I tell you, I've walked in that joint when it's empty. Allen Fieldhouse? Oh, my gosh. Gives you chills. It's pretty good. Yeah, you can hear the ghost. And like I said, you walk in all four of these gyms, the teams that are in the Final mm-hmm. Four for the men, just look around. Just look up in the sky. Yep. You'll understand. You'll get it. All right, when we come back, uh, we go down a path with fans. And we got some really good social media. Some neutrals? Some Duke? Some Carolina? Is this the ultimate bragging rights game? Duke and Carolina Saturday night. We continue next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Hey, don't forget ACC softball comes your way. That's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. McWhorter Stadium over there at Tigertown, Pack. Standing room only. Loaded up for the Gamecocks and the Tigers. Little Palmetto Series State. Goes uh, way, way back. Way back. Goes back three 2019. years. 2019. That's right. Goes back three full years. In fact, I'm not even sure they played in 20, 20 because there was a pandemic. Yeah. Maybe they just started last maybe week. Maybe they just started. So it's a long-standing battle between South Carolina and Clemson that goes back eh, two years. Maybe this decade. 7 o'clock ESPN app and always on ACC Network. <laughs> I tell you what, though, there will be an intensity in that well, game. Yeah, again, I say it all the time. It my, does not matter the sport when those two get together. My buddy, Randy Carroll in Atlanta, Georgia, says about – Georgia Tech in Georgia. It could be ballroom dancing or pinochle. It will be a big deal. It's a big deal when be, those two play, just like and Clemson, you won't South be Carolina. Able to get a ticket. And no. be people standing on top of people on top of pickup trucks and scaffolding and everything else watching that game. <laughs> Randy said one time they could play, they could have ballroom dancing at two in the morning in the parking lot to Mala, Georgia, yeah. and there'd be people there if it's Georgia Tech in Georgia. That's how it works, man. <laughs> Welcome to college sports rivalries. So, All right, let's get to the calls. 844-SAY-ACC. And we're going to do this as the week goes on. Carve out some time to take some calls about Duke Carolina and other things. Here's Pat in Connecticut. Oh, I know Pat. Why do I think this might not be about Duke and Carolina? Pat, good morning. Uh, it's actually going to be about both. But Pat and Wes, what a great game last night. I mean, that was an awesome game. Uh, every time you thought UConn was going to pull away a little bit, North Carolina State came back and hit a big three. Those girls are tough, and they played great, and it was just a fun game to watch. That being said, being a UConn guy, I don't think it's fair that North Carolina should have had North Carolina State should have had to go on to Connecticut and play UConn at Bridgeport. But it's about the money. Let's be honest; it's about the money, and we need to fix it. Oh, no question. I think that's the biggest issue now that the women's game will have to answer going forward. In, in, you know, this equal footing landscape, whatever you want to – the terminology, Pat, I, I think it does come down to now, can you make the tournament structurally just like the men's event because that's what you're aiming for. I mean, Muffet McGraw talked a little bit about it yesterday from another perspective, but I think you're right. The landscape has got to be – landscape's got to be changed. And unfortunately, what that means is probably moving on from the on-campus first and second round sites. I think that's just the next – you know, plausible step in the process in some ways. And the other thing, and too, and, and Pat, we always, 
Pat, I was going to say that the other thing too, you know, I think sometimes you can overanalyze stuff. We have all these analytics, which I like to make fun of, but I think when you're sitting in the room and again, we're going to have Nina King on at nine and Bubba was on the men's committee this right. year, basketball committee, you know, you can get into all the analytics and S curves and all that stuff. But at some point in time, when you get done with all that, you need to take a step back and go, Hey, did we lay this thing out fairly? Right. And NC State fans were barking 15 days ago when the brackets came out. Why are we in Bridgeport? I have no problem being in Bridgeport, but if we are, why is UConn there? Right. I mean, right. what reward did we get for winning the regular season and winning the conference tournament that our reward is a potential game against somebody that's going to have a home court advantage who's as talented as UConn? Now, again, you still got to get there first, but they proved that these two teams are great teams. Both They all felt like one seeds. Mm. But they, like I said earlier today, the women's game has reached the point in quality that really the committee's got to do a better job making sure that a one is never at a disadvantage playing at a number two. At that, I mean, Agreed. the game's too good now. And maybe in yesteryear where there was a discrepancy of, hey, you only had two or three really good teams and whatever. Let's just get as many people in here as we can, make as much money as we can. The game deserves better than that. The committee needs to do a better job. Absolutely. And listen, there there's solutions to this. Why couldn't you put the you could put the whole tournament in one spot? If the whole women's basketball world is, is together in one spot, you're gonna have full buildings. There's plenty of places where you have multiple buildings in the same city. Why not try something like that and make it fair for everybody? Right. But but there there should be no home games on campus. If, if they want to, if the women's game wants to be fair and equitable and they want to be taken seriously, they have to stand on their own. It's, it's almost like the WNBA. They couldn't survive without the million dollars a year that each team gets from the NBA. It's time for them to, st- I mean, we love it. I've always loved the women's game. Pac, you know, we've talked about it many times over the years. But it's time for them to stand alone, and you've got to make this thing fair and equal. And if you have to play in smaller buildings to, to fill all the seats, then do that. Or put it all in one spot. Put the whole women's basketball world in one spot, and you're going to fill the buildings. It was incredible. Yeah. Pat, thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's Debbie Antonelli's 13-year idea. I mean, I know she's had for at least a decade in change, and that is she talks about Vegas. They've got the facilities. There are a handful of places in this country uh, we saw it last year in San Antonio with the women's event. You saw it in Indianapolis. Yeah, saw it in Indianapolis with the men's event. You could do it in both those cities. You could do it in Atlanta. There are plenty of venues there. See, um, listen, I, I don't have a problem putting something out for bids to generate the dollars because you got to understand, you're running a business here, right? So if you put this thing out for bids and there are cities out there that go, hey, we must have yeah. a women's regional or whatever it is that you're putting out for bids – I think you can do that, but it's up to the committee at the end of the day to make sure that Team A doesn't have a distinct advantage over Team B. I mean, you know, you want equality and you want fairness, right. well, then give it. I yep. mean, you, you, that's the, on the burden of the committee to get it right. Totally if you agree. want to put it in one place, fine, if that makes you happy. If you want to spread the wealth, I got no problem with that either. You know, go put that thing out for bids, but the committee cannot moving forward ever be in a position given the quality of the game now to put a team that's a one seed on the road against the two seed that yeah. makes zero sense well and we'll talk more with kelly gramlich about this at 8 30 because there's plenty to unpack there and, and, and what's i just want to emphasize one more thing 
I hate that this has now become a bigger story than how great that game was last well, night. And that's what stinks because NC State and UConn put on a show last night. I wished every sporting event would be as exciting and to the edge of, oh, my God, did you see that play? Right. Because, you know, there's people that probably never watched a women's basketball game last night because it was on ESPN at prime time, flipped it on and went, man, I'm put the remote down. Man, these ladies are flat out balling. Mm-hmm. They were great. Yeah, and I think fun. that I think the reality of it is is that as the women's tournament grows, you have to get over some of the bumps. And this was clearly a bump in the process where you had to look at it. And, you know, we'll talk to Nina King a little bit about it, but also Kelly Gramlich from the perspective of how does this event grow? We hear Muffet, I thought, gave us some really interesting comments yesterday about units and monies and financials and all those things. There's miraculous growth that's taken place with women's basketball, but the business side and the logistics and the structural side of the event has to be examined and addressed if you're going to continue to kind of draw that parallel with the men's tournament. And can I give Muffet a shout-out? I know her mug hasn't arrived yet because I checked on the uh, shipping department at ESP and it has not been shipped out yet. But unlike BPI, which can't get anything right, Muffet told you yesterday mm-hmm. she thought it would be a split for the ACC. She liked Louisville. Yep. And she just thought, hey, trying to beat UConn in their house, right. good luck with that. And it was at NC State, an incredible game, like I said. But Muffet, coach, two for two on her picks last There you go. Uh, when we come back, biggest shots – in ACC history. I came up with a list. You came up with a list. I wow. don't know what yours are. As Biggest you- shots in ACC history. Christian Leitner's anniversary yesterday. Michael Jordan's anniversary today. About that. Back after this on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. ago today yeah is that amazing yes it is uh and seeing that hug between big john and dean smith and yeah. they're looking down at heaven today <sighs> smiling right oh yeah game. you kidding me uh one of the great Legends. games in final four history that one right what a game yeah we got a, t- a tweet yesterday uh michael lewis who uh tweets us often as you know right on the show michael good guy mike lewis from uh, Bethany Beach, Delaware. Mike says, Georgetown UNC 1982 has got to be in the conversation with State UCLA in 74 is one of the greatest games because either Dean wins his first natty or Big John becomes the first black coach to do so. Magnitude of that game had significant implications. No. No? Not no. with that State UCLA bigger? Because my statement yesterday was semifinal. Semifinal game. Not gotcha. national championship okay. game. So the answer would be no. no. You can't put Georgetown, North Carolina in a Not a championship semifinal. with a semifinal game. There you go. I'm that, with you. That okay. That's what I said yesterday. Yeah. yeah. NC State, UCLA. All right. But so on this go. date 40 years ago, Michael Jordan knocked down 
Arguably one of the bigger shots in ACC history. Jumper from out on the left, for those of you at home who remember. Um, so, where do we measure the biggest shots? Monday was Christian Leitner. Today's Michael Jordan. What are your top five shots in ACC history? Now, you want to talk about subjective lists that could create a problem today. No problem. Welcome. No problem. To the segment of the show. All right. You came up five. I came up five. I don't know your list. You don't know mine. Right. I concentrated exclusively on NCAA tournament games. I did not go. Oh. I did not go. You can go there if you okay. want. There's no. There right. was, I'm just making up a rule here. Okay. I concentrated on the NCAA tournament since we're in March Madness. Okay. All right. There you go. Good. So, uh, number five for me uh, happened just recently. Uh, I will never forget it. Kihei Carl Art, perfect pass. Diakite, bang, Purdue goes down again. Right. Uh, just, I still remember that ball bouncing in the backcourt, in, in the front court. You're like, oh, my God, they're not going to get the game. This, Virginia's going down. Right. And the pass was perfect. Diakite with the catch, touch, bam, it goes to overtime. And Virginia's ridiculous run to a national championship continued. Yeah. So I've got that one as number five for me. All right? It's a great one. Uh, number four. Oh, Marcus Page. I know this was a loss, but it's not a matter of, hey, winning shots. I said this the other day. I think it's the most underappreciated shot ever made in the NCAA tournament that no one ever talks about because it wasn't the game winner. Right. Almost instantly afterwards, Jenkins makes it to break North Carolina's hearts. But Marcus Page's unbelievable shot to tie things up with North Carolina and Uh, Villanova is number four. That's a good one. Marcus Page. Nobody ever talks about that shot. Number three, James Forrest. James Forrest, and I wish we had the video for this because Al McGuire losing his mind. Yep. And he makes it with no time on the clock. And Al McGuire, God rest his soul, holy mackerel, holy mackerel. I mean, he lost it. But what a perfect shot as James Forrest rips out the heart of the Trojans. Number two. Well, why not? Michael Jeffrey Jordan. 40 years ago this day. Yeah. Bang. And man, whatever happened to that Jordan dude? It turned out okay? Yeah. yeah I thought so. Things uh, went well. What a game this was. <sighs> Just ridiculous. And we're heading back to Nolens again this weekend. But I put Jordan at number two. And number one, we just celebrated yesterday. Hmm. I mean, the play was so crazy. The game was one of the best you've ever seen. Right. Uh, the pass by Grant Hill, Perfecto, and Grant, I mean, Leitner was number one the catch. The fake, which people I don't think talk about enough. And then, bang, never misses a shot. Ball game. Leitner yeah. won. So All there right. There we go. Those are just, again, I just went NCAA tournament games from an ACC perspective. And Here's we only have one that is the same. Is that right? Yeah. We only have one that is the same. Here's Here's the wild thing about this. I get too caught up in this. And full disclosure here, I start racking my brain trying to think of things that happened a long time ago that I I may have missed. And I end up missing things that happened like recently. For instance, like Luke May's shot to beat Kentucky in the regional final. You know why I didn't put it on? Why? Because we've beaten up on Kentucky enough this week. The poor folks at Kentucky, man. They, they, All right. I respect their tradition. All right. But, man, they've had a tough week. So I went and started thinking about – you know, we were kind of headed toward Carolina Duke. So I started thinking about ACC games, not necessarily NCAA tournament games, but ACC games. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to start with number five, and I'm going Austin Rivers to beat Carolina in the yep. Smith Center. Yep. Ten years ago. It's just nuts. That shot's just nuts. 
Duke's, He's a freshman. Where's Doc behind the bench? Duke we didn't stole see. that one at night. Here's number four. Senior day at Virginia. Ralph Sampson free throw line to win it. No. Second free throw. No. Tipped out Craig Robinson. The stick wins it on the jumper. His last shot at U-Haul as a senior to win the game on senior day, 1983. Under, underrated rivalry, Virginia, Maryland. No question. All right. Number three. Unbelievable. 8.17 seconds, 1974. Neil McGahee coaching Duke. Carolina ends up winning in double overtime. The jumper by Davis sent it to overtime. Number two, Randolph's game winner in 95. To this day, I think it's still one of the biggest shots in ACC history because it capped three days of greatness. Okay? Number one. Guess what? I picked yours. <laughs> I think this shot, because of the magnitude of when and where and everything, and here's the other thing. you got to have a great foil in this, and Kentucky was the foil. Remarkable story to the doorstep. It's the next step for Rick Patino. and guess what? They don't get there. They do get there the next year, though. Remember that? Kentucky got to the Final Four the next year. Well, if I was going to include ACC games, Greg Buckner's dunk on Carolina is number one. Aha! Number one. Because let me tell you something. I was, I'll tell you exactly where I was. I was laying in bed watching the game. <laughs> Swear to God. Great. And when Buckner slammed dunk, and by the way, he was fouled on the call. Right. But there was no call in Greensboro. You think Clemson's going to get that call? No. But Buckner's dunk would have been number one on my list. I'm glad you brought up Buckner's dunk. <laughs> it was just off my top five. Should have been number one. Oh, my goodness. Can we roll oh, Greg Buckner's you got dunk? It? We have the dunk? We don't have it. Oh, oh you know why it. we don't? Why? Because Brian Ives is involved, and he knows that Buckner got fouled. Here's my honorable mention. Greg Buckner. What is this honorable mention? Well, you never know. I thought, again, well, what did I just tell you? I was you? asked to come Full, up with five, and you, I, you're coming up with honorable mentions. I also had others. Marvin Williams shot to beat Duke also in receiving 2005. Also receiving AP voter? No. But what I'm saying is, Greg Buckner's dunk, I literally sent – Brian Ives and Drew Brooks, our producers, I sent them five and then immediately typed off two more and go, damn, I need this. Greg I'm, Buckner's dunk I'm is awesome. Just, I'm glad I just kept mine in the NCAA tournament. I, I didn't even go regular oh, season man. ACC games. All right, let's get to social media. But Buckner was fouled. All right, now here's one, <laughs> and we know this guy. And you know what? This thing's been going on nearly 40 years. The one that DeWitt NC State claims was a pass at Joko Pack says that. Which been the shot that Derek took is he thinks is the greatest shot in ACC history that ends up in Lorenzo Charles's dunk. I counted as a pass. That's why I didn't put it on my top well, five that's, list. So does everybody else, including Whit. It was a shot. Uh, at Brian Cox, 1989, Luke May. I, again, don't disagree with you. I just I'm guilty of going too far back. I'm I think backwards before I think you know recently, um, and then Tremaine Blair, who uh, visits with us on an occasion, Diakite's shot against Purdue. Kyle guys free throws to send Virginia the national title. 
Yeah. Both of I tell you, you go back to that Virginia run now. That was just crazy what they pulled off, right? Yeah. It was amazing. But that Purdue game, goodness gracious. Right. I still remember the ball bouncing away, and you're like, the time's going to run out. Right. And we're sticking with the men's game, but Seth Palmer's not. Seth Palmer says, how about Reina Perez's pick and layup on uh, Saturday against Notre Dame? Pretty good. I, you could put a Goomba Wale on there, too. Well, that's where I would have gone for the shot. Yeah. And Notre Dame winning the national championship and just watching Muffet in, in complete, oh, my God, uh-huh. we won the title. Right. It's a great – I mean, listen, you can't go wrong with a list like this. Look, here's the so deal. So many good ones. You want to send us some? Go ahead. We'll look at them. You can always tag Pack and I, tag ACC Network. I liked how yours had video. Mine just had black and white photos. Because <laughs> you used NCAA games. Yeah, but I, you know, I was not asked to come up with a list of games that we've got video footage of. I just assumed that, hey, if a game so- happened, then happened. I, here's I'm, the list. I'm sorry we didn't have the Buckner dunk for you. Well, like, you know why we don't have it? Because you know he got fouled. <laughs> I said it coming off the – I was screaming. I got off the bed. I was screaming, going, oh, my God, Clemson just beat North Carolina in basketball in the ACC tournament. Do you want me to get my man Terrell McIntyre on here to Matt break it all it down for you? You'll see – when you see the highlight, the dunk was so spectacular that even the referees swallowed the whistle. They did. Oh, it's a great play. There are two spectacular dunks at the same basket in one ACC tournament game. Yeah, that's right. Vince Carter off the inbound lob. He dunked it with his ankles. And Greg Buckner's dunk to win it. Yeah. It is a great play. It is. It's easily one of the most overlooked plays in ACC history. It's one of the ten best plays, I think, in the last 25, 35 years of the ACC tournament for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. All right, you know who else has opinions on this? Seth Greenberg. Big shots. He's seen some big shots. He is a big shot. He is a big shot. By the way, they've uh, painted over that Mercedes-Benz logo. There's only one of those. It's in Atlanta now. The Louisiana Superdome, now sponsored by Caesars, hosts the Final Four this week. We will uh, talk about steak in New Orleans next with Seth Greenberg on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham.